Welcome to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films. Every Friday morning from 9 to 10 a.m. Pacific and online at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. I'm really thrilled and honored to have with us again, once again, who's agreed to come back on the show despite his better judgment, I'm sure. Um, that would be Matt, or Matthew Porterfield, uh, and we had him on a few years ago for a wonderful film called Welcome to Putty Hill, and we, he's back. And he's, this wonderful new film he's got called Solar's Point tells the story of a guy named Keith, about a 24-year-old newly released from prison living with his father under house arrest in Baltimore. Keith is struggling to reestablish himself and break free of the bonds that for, that he forged behind bars. So, and and it goes from there. There's there's a lot in this film. There's a lot to be talked about. There's a lot of nuances. The acting is terrific. The story is depressingly familiar for people who are aware of what's happening throughout the United States in, in terms of our deindustrialization. That's the big picture. The small picture is the story of Keith and his father and in the circumstances they find himself in. Matthew Porterfield, welcome back to Film School. Oh, thank you for having me. It's great to be here. Thank you. Uh, I just sort of brushed the top, uh, you know, kind of atop the uh, the, the storyline here. Uh, if there's anything you want to add to what I, I said, feel free. But uh, if not, uh, where are the origins of the story behind Solar's Point? I was thinking about um, Baltimore again as a character, as it's played in, in my previous films, um, in particular an area of the town where my where my family settled, my grandparents, in fact. Uh, it's an old um, industrial uh, town called Dundalk, uh, which was built by Bethlehem Steel. My grandfather worked there. And uh, I was really interested in how, because of the industrialization, opportunities for uh, people my age and younger don't exist in the same way as they did for our, for our grandparents' generation. And... Uh, and my starting point was a young man who's transitioning back into this into this world, um, looking for opportunity. Uh, the the image of the literal shackle uh, which he wears under yeah. house arrest was a strong one for me, and kind of kind of held the piece together um, at its foundation. Um, but I, I began to think of the film sort of as a road movie, uh, which is how it sort of plays, I think, and uh, and all the characters that he meets along the way paint a portrait of this of this place, this particular area in Baltimore City. Yeah, and. Uh, it, it's uh, it's very subtle. I, I, one of the things that I found in Putty Hill, I think I called it Welcome to Putty Hill, pardon me, Putty Hill and this film have in common, and, and your films in general have in common, is the character development in them is subtle, understated. But as, and as the story progresses, we get a fully sort of fleshed out window into their world and into their character. And that happens here as well. Um, and it it in many ways it mirrors the bigger picture of, of of Baltimore and sort of this this attempt to do the right things but constantly being drawn into situations that are untenable. Um, I don't know if this is an observation you would agree with, but tell us a little bit about how you go about developing characters in your film. Yeah, it, it, I would agree, and thanks. Um, well, I, I'm interested in in audiences meeting characters on screen a bit like we we meet people in life. We don't present our biographies immediately up front. You know, we're presented with clues, and uh, we, we assess. And, and I, I really like uh, developing characters sort of slowly and hopefully organically, so that so that audiences get to to learn about them over the course of 
you know, a couple hours and uh, maybe a couple of days. Um, in writing Keith, I was thinking a lot about myself, honestly, just, just sort of thinking about my own life and how I've walked the line at times between sort of meaning and meaninglessness, and Keith is on that line and, and, and maybe making more impulsive choices, reckless choices than, than I've made. And, and certainly he's a character with less opportunity. I, I had a really good education, um, and Keith hasn't, hasn't gone in that direction. But I was thinking about my own sort of impulsive tendencies and, and, and self-hatred, to be honest, which is, I think, something that a, that a lot of men grow up with, and, and, and how uh, on his journey he's, he's, he's battling obstacles, certainly that, that are societal, but, but also ones that he's presented for himself. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and along the way, as I said, in the sort of playing in the genre of a kind of road movie, he meets all these characters that, that uh, um, tell, give us little glimpses, as you say, little windows into uh, um, facets of life in the, in the city. And, and here I was thinking of the film really as an ensemble, um, driven by one major protagonist who we follow very closely, but an ensemble of characters, uh, uh, a bit like Putty Hill, and, um, and, and the opportunity that that presents to, to show us a fuller picture of, uh, of life in the city. I agree. And I, I, he's uh, Keith, played by uh, McCall Lombardi, who is really good. I, this this guy has um, talent written all over him, and this performance is wonderful. And for the reason that I felt myself so drawn to him is he's immediately a likable person. In, throughout the film, he is relatable, and and you want you root for him. You want this you want this guy to get his life together. Uh, but there does seem to be this this code that he in sort of an internal code that he seems to be following, whether it has to do with his time in prison or the way he's wired or his relationship with his father. There are things that keep he keeps bumping into that keep him from getting somewhere else. And I, again, that's mm-hmm. such a testament to you as a writer. You're a writer and director in this film. It's a, it's a testament to to the ability to be able to like someone who you don't necessarily approve of what they're doing. And again, that's performance, but it's also writing. Um, I don't even know if I have a exactly. question. I mean, I, yeah, yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. Well, I was just going to agree. Um, I do think that that a lot of a lot of credit must be given to to McCall Lombardi, who plays Keith. I mean, I think on paper. The character was was harder to, to relate to for certain for certain readers at script stage, um, just because you're, you're reading all these things that he does. You don't you don't see him. And and McCall embodying Keith has this pathos, this natural pathos, and this this energy that I think is really compelling. Um, so so the audience watching him is, is drawn to him in a way that, that that you know maybe isn't clear on the on the page. I mean, I'll take the credit as writer, but uh, I also have to say that that um, casting was so crucial here. Um, you know, it was it was essential that that the keep be played by someone that we can root for. Yeah, he has a. Um, it's, I think well, so many good performances. There is the uh, the 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 dialogue, the the uh, the interaction with the, the other perform actors in in the film. But there's a physicality to him. I mean, he's a young man. He's in you know he looks like somebody. And I if this is a compliment or not. He looks like somebody who just got out of prison. Now I, I don't know if I how out of uh, but it does. He has the physical bearing of someone who is uh, very reactive to his to his environment, which you would expect from somebody coming out 
a prison. He, he's he's very tuned into it, uh, and he is uh, he's kind of cat-like in his reaction to, to certain circumstances, which is again, I think, a skill set that you develop if you're in prison. So all of this thing, all of these things, kind of uh, come together in him that make him. Just uh, you can't take your eyes off of him, I guess, is what I'm trying to get to in, in, in his performance. You have others in the cast. Certainly Jim Belushi, who I haven't seen in a little while, who plays his father, uh, Carol, uh, is yeah. is terrific. I, I, everybody in the film, and you're right, there's a lot of different people in the film. But in, in that small amount of time we see with them interacting with, with Keith, a really uniformly solid cast of people. Um, Belushi, tell, tell me a little bit about your decision to, to cast him as his dad. Sure, yeah, I mean, I think the casting is, is, is the thing about the film that I'm, I'm really proudest of, I mean, the performance yeah. uh, in turn. Um, I worked with a casting director out of New York, Jessica Kelly at Christie Street, uh. and her colleague Kate Geller, and they, they helped me find some of the um, key supporting players, including uh, Jim Belushi. I, I had um, um, an interest uh, from, from his agency, ICN, they liked the script and were... were uh, sharing um, uh, their clients with us, uh, you know, offering ideas to people who might play some of the uh, some of these key supporting roles. And Jim was one, and he jumped off the page because uh, of his his working class, his blue collar roots in Chicago, right. um, the fact that he is a father, uh, the fact that he uh, like so many of us, but has been touched personally um, by, by drugs and alcohol and um, addiction. And uh, we, we got on a call, had a Skype, and uh, hit it off immediately. He'd watched my previous films the night before and, and really dug them and I think understood them and and, uh, and was ready to do the project. I mean, he's been doing a lot of interesting things lately, from, from Twin Peaks uh, to uh, to more recently um, the Woody Allen, um, yeah. uh, Coney Island picture. But uh, so he's he's just down. I mean, he's he's eager to work and, and loves working and, and gives every project his complete. And, and total attention. Yeah, he really does a nice turn with this, and and there's uh, some scenes near the end of the film where he he's able to switch gears in terms of his character and the interaction that he has with the uh, the ex girlfriend. It was just quite a quite a moving mm-hmm. performance. Uh, the, a lot of again, sort of the film is a lot of quick hits with different people in the film, but memorable. Everyone is memorable. That uh, you're right. I mean, th- th- there's sort of a, a a physical element to their to the to them being memorable, but it's also in their performances as well. Um, and I, I might, if I'm butchering this, say, tell me, is it Zazie Beetz that uh, plays Courtney? Zazie Beetz, yep. Yeah, she's terrific. Um, and apparently she's on her way. I mean, you, you picked up a, yeah. somebody, I think both uh, uh, um, McCall and uh, Zazie are, seem to me, someone who watches a lot of movies, on their way to uh, a very rich uh, career in in film. Um, tell me a little bit about casting her as well. Sure, I saw a reel, um, and then we did an audition. And uh, yeah. uh, since I've seen Atlanta, and I'm now Deadpool too, and I think she's so strong, um, yeah. such a such a gifted actor and a natural in so many ways, but a professional as well. And um, you know, like McCall, they both have similar experience. They're they're breaking out now, but, but they they haven't been working for a long time. Um, you know, they I think benefited from working opposite a seasoned actor like, like Jim Belushi. It was a nice it was a nice balance. You know, he gave so much, and they were eager to to respond and to learn and to give in return. And and I think that that chemistry between the three of them was was really 
um, really powerful. Yeah. And the scene you mentioned, yeah, is a, is a key one. It's the only time we leave keep um, and focus focus our attention uh, exclusively on 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 two characters that that uh, that um, are in his orbit. Um, yeah. And it's a moment of rawness, I think, from Jim and and Buffy both. Yeah. And uh and it's one of my favorite yeah, favorite scenes in the film. It's a terrific scene and I mean it's relatively brief but it really does it says so much about the whole story and his and his relationship to Keith. Uh they're both of their relationships to Keith. So it, um I want to remind our listeners we're speaking with uh, Matt Porterfield. He's the director of the new f- film called Solar's Point. That's S-O-L-L-E-R-S. And you can go to, it's being distributed by Oscilloscope. You can find it there at the Oscilloscope distri- distribution site or uh, film site. Well, let, let's it kind of broaden out just in the last couple of minutes we have with you to talk about uh, the film. Uh, Baltimore, you mentioned, is sort of, it is a character in the film. It certainly, it, not only the setting, but you have set your other films, uh, Putty Hill, uh, as well in, in Baltimore. And it speaks to what I alluded to at the beginning of our interview, and that is the sort of hollowing out of America about our our cities, especially our our urban areas, have been hollowed out of any sort of opportunity. There's no industry anymore to speak of. Everybody seems to be on the take and or trying to find some grift or barely make it uh, in in in, fa- in the face of uh, the uh, uh, opioid addiction epidemic. It feels. It feels like this is a, a pretty accurate take on Baltimore, um, in at least in this part of Baltimore. Tell me, tell me if that's uh, you feel that's an accurate assessment. Yes, uh, thanks. I mean, I I think it's true. Uh, this was a film made before the last election cycle, um, where suddenly people began to pay attention to the sort of forgotten white working classes. Um, but he is a member of those, but he's also a member of a larger, more diverse. Uh, working class that I wanted to depict, and I wanted to depict its diversity, yeah. um, as I hope I have in all my films. Yeah, yeah. It, again, I, I, this uh, these one of the great things. One of the things I love about an op- opportunity to talk with uh, indie film directors, people who make stories, make films about stories and about people. Uh, they will often illuminate a larger story, a more of a social story as well as the the sort of the micro story about these characters and their and their lives and i feel like this film in ways that are a part of the story they're not gratuitous tell a bigger story about what's happening not just in baltimore but in so many different uh, urban areas and across across mm-hmm. america period uh that we are we should be paying greater attention to i hope so <laughs> yeah yeah, well, well, congratulations to you on this film. You know, once again, I, I just uh, I was in love with Putty Hill, and it was a it's a wonderful film. Uh, you've made so many other great films, Hamilton, and I used to be darker, and continue your your run of uh, of telling these kinds of stories and doing them well, Matt. I I'm, I really appreciate your work, and I appreciate you coming on the show today. Thank you so much. I appreciate your insight. Yeah, you're welcome. Again, the film is Solar's Point. Uh, that's S-O-L-L-E-R-S, Solar's Point. It's a wonderful story, well told, well acted, and we've been uh, honored to have with us today the director and writer of the film. That would be Matt Porterfield. Matt, uh, all the best to you in the future. I hope you come back again and join us again. Thank you. Thank you. it be my pleasure.
You've been listening to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films. You can find out more about the program at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. Thank you for tuning in, and we'll see you next week with another edition of Film School Radio.